Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thanking you for being with me. Joining me right now is Larry Kudlow. Larry serves as the host of Kudlow on Fox Business Network, airing weekdays at 4 Eastern. Uh, prior to joining Fox, Fox Business, uh, Larry served as assistant to the president for economic policy and director of the National Economic Council under President Trump. He's also been a senior contributor at CNBC, where he hosted a post-market analysis show called The Kudlow Report. And previously, he served as chief economist and senior managing director of Bear Stearns. From 81 to 85, he was an associate director for economics and planning at the Office of Management and Budget during the Reagan administration. Larry, it's great to have you back here. It's been a few years. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, let me start off by just playing a short clip from uh, President Biden's address to Congress uh, Let's take a listen. Our Constitution opens with the words, as trite as it sounds, we the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government, you and I. That's an expression that uh, really rocked me that night, that he would confuse the phrase we the people with the government itself. I know you've commented on this. I'm going to throw it to you. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I... uh... We, we looked at that quite a bit on the show, and I wrote a column uh, about it. And, you know, I just thought it was nuts. <laughs> I mean, I, I was stunned, absolutely stunned to hear it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that is not how it works. And uh, I quoted the Declaration of Independence, you know, where... <laughs> It's pretty clear we are endowed by our creator uh, with the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it goes on to say that the government is created by by men, and uh, the government can only operate with the consent of the uh, people who who appointed the government. So I, I made a ranking. I said, here's how this works. Number one, creator. Number two, people. Number three, government. Right. right. And the way Biden had it working is number one, government. Number two, government. Number three, government. Yeah. But I'm just saying uh, he got that wrong, but it does reflect uh, a belief on his part and his administration of the uh, power of government. Yeah. And the need to uh, increase that power. And uh, at the same time, uh, I looked at it as a need to reduce the power of the uh, free enterprise private sector of our economy. And uh, you could add to that, you know, the civil society. I mean, they want government and central planners in government to run the place more than anything we've ever seen before. Yeah. And um, that's the transformational uh, policy in, in, in its, you know, 30,000 30, feet high. And I'm opposed to that. I don't want to transform America. <laughs> I mean, I want to improve America. Right. Uh, I want America to be as prosperous as possible, as strong as possible. Uh, but we have something called American values and American ideals, which we find in the 
Declaration and the Constitution, uh, you know, and a couple of hundred years of law. Yep. Uh, with uh, rule of law and trial by a jury of one's peers, freedom of speech, religion, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to cancel our culture. I don't want to end our history. Uh, I don't want critical race theory. Uh, and I don't want a government-run economy, a socialist economy. Right. So, yeah. you know, in a nutshell, those were my objections and those were my thoughts when I heard Biden say that. You know, you, you've been uh, in, involved in uh, the government since the Reagan years. You've been uh, on, on Wall Street. What is it about what we're doing wrong that the size of the federal government seems to grow. It doesn't seem to matter who uh, is in the White House, Republican or Democrat. It, uh, ju- it just gets larger and larger. Uh, is there some fundamental problem we have in uh, proper scaling uh, of the government to the uh, service of the people? Wh- why do we just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, look, we go through cycles here. But actually, I'm a real hawk on this. I look at government spending as a share of the economy, as a share of GDP. Okay. And actually, uh, from the Reagan years on, I mean, we did have an explosion of that going back to LBJ's Great Society. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which unfortunately was funded by Richard Nixon in the 70s. Right. And, and we, you know, that's where the biggest explosion of government came, uh, you know, in the post World War II period. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Reagan really uh, kind of put a halt to that. Uh, now, you know, you have to adjust for the business cycle, but really, we we've been running around 20. 21% of GDP for a very long time. Okay. A very long time. Um, you had an increase under Obama when uh, when he pushed through Obamacare. But uh, Obamacare was such a dud, nobody really signed up for it. <laughs> and it, it was only a one-time. And then George W. Bush... Uh, Kept government reasonably well under control. I think he he was in that twenty to twenty one percent range. Mm-hmm. The, probably the thing to worry about now is the big explosion of government uh, last year and this year using the pandemic as an excuse. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you know the rescue packages, and I, and I think the one the the one a year ago in April of 2020 that we worked on was a good package and a necessary package. Okay. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the one, the second big one in December, and I opposed the package that the Biden people put through in uh, whatever it was, January or February. This is the 1.9 trillion. Yes. Yep. And so you're you're going to run this gigantic. I mean, government. I don't know what the spending share is going to be, but it's going to be uh, approaching 30%. Wow. Okay. Which is crazy. But 
most of that is supposed to end. In other words, it's scheduled to end because there were temporary relief packages. Now, this is an important point. The Biden administration is going to try to extend it and and expand it from there. <laughs> yeah. So this is a turning point. And, of course, that's why they want to raise all these uh, taxes. See, during the Trump years, before the pandemic, we we cut taxes right. uh, significantly. Mm-hmm. It's actually the biggest corporate tax cut in history. And when you see tax cuts, that means the government is shrinking and the private sector is growing. And, um, you know, I saw that twice in my lifetime. I worked for Reagan and I worked for Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh so right now, if the Biden people have their way, you are going to see the biggest expansion of government uh, in both spending and taxing terms, um, you know, since World War II. Yeah. And it probably will exceed World War II. So that, in my judgment, would be very bad. So the cultural, social trends of transformation would be very, very bad. And the economic trends. And the fiscal trends would be very, very bad. So this is a, you know, terribly important period right now. My my son works in construction, and here at Ave Maria Radio, we have a building project that we're involved in, having a difficult time uh, finding workers in the trades to come out and, and do the jobs. Uh, this uh, Are we disincentivizing work right now? Yeah, we've, we've cut into that. Um, Again, particularly this last uh, so-called rescue package that the Bidens put through. Incidentally, the ones we did in 2020 were bipartisan. We didn't use, we never used reconciliation, 51 votes. The one that was done in February, or whenever it was, late January, uh, was used. They had to use 51 vote reconciliation because it was not bipartisan. Right. That's why it was so bad and extravagant. Now. Um, part of that package continued overly generous unemployment benefits uh, with uh, no work requirements. Um, And in fact, they have a bunch of proposals for expanded or new social programs uh, that remove all work requirements uh, that were put in in the mid-90s under Clinton and Gingrich, which is a very good thing. So this is a very bad thing. So we've had employment. Yeah, so, I mean, I give you an, an example. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the the three hundred dollar federal plus up per week. You add that to the average state unemployment, which is three hundred fifty dollars. So it's six hundred fifty dollars a week in the hospitality and um, leisure uh, services sectors. Uh, which was the hardest hit during the pandemic for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. The average fet, uh, payment is 477. I did this last night on our show. <laughs> so, Uncle Sam and the states are going to give you um, 650 dollars a week, but the average restaurant, hotel, small business is only going to give you 477. Wow. So people are saying. People are staying home. Yeah. You know, that's almost a $200 gap. And I think most people, frankly, would prefer to work, to be honest. Most, not all. Sure. But the numbers are the numbers. And 
the numbers provide an encouragement to stay home longer. That's not good. Larry, hold us there if you don't mind. We'll be back in just a moment. Continuing conversation with Larry Kudlow. Dr. Ray Garendi of The Doctor Is In has been described in many ways. Sensitive. Are you kidding me? How'd that thought even bounce into your head? Insightful. I am flat out clueless. But at least I'm aware that I'm clueless. Empathetic. Oh boy. If I were in your shoes, I'd jump out. Right now. Well, nobody we know would use these descriptions. Just the same, you can talk with Dr. Ray yourself every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. There are lots of great ways to stay connected with Ave Maria Radio, like our Poll of the Week. This week, we want to know, has your diocese removed the general dispensation from ASEAN? Let us know now at AveMariaRadio.net. Scroll down on the homepage and click on Poll of the Week. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me is Larry Kudlow, host of Kudlow on the Fox Business Network, and just finishing up a stint in President Trump's administration as assistant to the president for economic policy. Uh, We've been talking about the relationship between work and uh, government uh, control. Let me me ask you this then. We've had, uh, at least since uh, Clinton, we've had uh, an attempt to incentivize work. If you're going to receive something from the the government, you're going to have to in some way uh, work this turns that policy that we've had since Clinton around. Is that right? Well, Clinton was a hero in this. Right. I mean, he and Gingrich made a bipartisan deal back in 95. Right. And they established work requirements and uh, education requirements for all the welfare programs, whether it was children or AFDC or food stamps, uh, which is very, very important. One of the best things in economic history, frankly, uh, and I give a lot of credit to, you know, you had a Republican Congress, but I give some credit to uh, uh, Clinton. Sure. But if, what what Biden is doing is breaking that. Right, right, so, yeah. If you go back to the original FDR welfare program, which was Social Security, right? He was the father of Social Security. Mm -hmm. But remember, Social Security says we will give you benefits when you retire. We will give you generous benefits, but you have to work to get them. You follow yeah. What they're, what they're saying now is we're going to give you benefits, expanded benefits, whether it's the child tax credit or welfare or food stamps, uh, but you don't have to work. Right. They've removed the work requirements. Yep. Uh, yep. What we call work fair. That is a very, very uh, negative uh, transformational policy which will, I mean, the economic effects are bad enough, but the social effects, the dependency effects are going to be even worse. Right, right. And it's going to cause 
damage to families, uh, and it's going to cause, uh, you know, a, a, a complete loss of dignity and virtue for for the for work. Yeah. I mean, work is godly. Sure. And this, you know, they want to make substitute government for work. Let me give you one one more question, later, if you don't mind. Uh, you've had again. You've learned a lot over the years, and what working in the Trump administration. Anything in particular that you picked up there that you count as, you know, expanding your understanding of the way the world works? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the job I had with President Trump as the um, director of the National Economic Council was a very, very senior job. Uh, it's one of a handful of what I call senior, senior assistants to sure. the president. Mm-hmm like the National Security Council. Um, it's a cabinet-level job, and uh, it covered so much ground. It was about economy, of course, but, you know, trade policies, uh, housing policies, uh, energy policies, uh, communications, 5G policies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very, and I also sat on the on the NSC. So I learned enormously from that job because of the uh, responsibilities uh, of that uh, council. There are really uh, three major councils in the White House that kind of run the place. One is the National Security Council. The other is the National Economic Council. And the third is the Domestic Policy Council. But the scope of the NSC and the NEC uh, are is much much greater than the domestic council. Hmm. So, so, and you're in and out every day with the president, and and you know cabinet members uh, go through the NEC. So it, it's a heck of a job, and <laughs> it's it, it, it enormously. I mean, I'm very grateful. It was a job of a lifetime. I'm very grateful to President Trump for giving me that job allowing me to serve him, but allowing me to serve the country. When I worked for Reagan many, many years ago, I had a very senior job in the Office of Management and Budget, um, which in those days was a little probably more powerful than it was recently. But it, that job was a, a much junior to the one I uh, just Just finished. had, yeah. So, yeah. So I did three years of hard labor. I was paroled for good behavior, and <laughs> now I'm back uh, as a broadcaster, which I love to do. And I can attend to all my Catholic uh, charities and responsibilities. I'm very active uh, in the church, and yeah. um, it's nice to be back home. Well, sometime I'd love to have you come on when you're free to talk about uh, uh, your really a late-life conversion. And uh, we'll talk about that some other time. So, Larry, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Larry Kudlow with us Uh, again. uh, You can see him on the Fox Business Network uh, every day at 4 Eastern. And uh, he just finished up, as he said, three years with the uh, Trump administration. I want to come back to one point, though, that uh, Larry made, which is born right out of the New Testament. St. Paul said... um, if a man won't work, he can't eat. The, the idea here is that it's important for human beings to engage in the dignity of work. Those who refuse to work 
are not going to eat, St. Paul said. So now don't get me wrong here. He's not saying those who can't work. There are definitely people who can't work. And so we have a responsibility to those uh, who are unable to, quote, earn their keep. But for those who refuse to work, um, the New Testament makes it clear that there's a basic natural uh, law here. Uh, If a man won't work, he can't eat. So the disincentivizing of work that's come about uh, through this most recent uh, stimulus package, I don't know what it's going to do to us in the long run. It's very difficult to project. Hopefully this is going to be an emergency measure which will not have lasting effect on people's willingness to work. Because I, I do agree with Larry that, if, you know, human beings are made for work and they, they want to work. They want to contribute. Uh, they understand that their personal dignity is involved with being able to earn uh, their living. Uh, but I do find that time and time again, when you look at these complex um, issues about economy, about politics, uh, large areas of culture, what you find out is that some of the most basic lessons you were taught as a young person are still true. Trust, telling the truth, the dignity of work, uh, respect for others. These are the things that actually begin, if, if you practice them and insist on them, they begin to make sense of what otherwise can be an incredibly complex and even scary world. But uh, again, we go back to what uh, Christ has revealed about a way of life that leads to the cultivation of virtue. And with the cultivation of virtue comes the reward of beatitude, happiness. I'm Al Cresta. We'll be back. 